This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive, and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website PlayerProfiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Billy, how we doing? Um, this is awesome. We're back from Kansas City. It seems like it was yesterday. Uh, I'm Theo Greminger. I'm joined as always by Billy Muzio. Last time we recorded, Billy, it was in like a basement, and we were side by side. So we're back. We're back to normal. Uh, it feels nice to kind of kind of be home. But gosh, we had a great time out there, didn't we? That was a great time out in in Kansas City. You know, we got to all meet up in person. I forgot to put your Jordans in the background. I went back to back. I Theo left his shoes at the uh, the house, and I, I was like, "Hey guys, I'm gonna take these so I can put them in the back back of the recording." And I wanna, I want, I want, I wasn't even gonna say anything, but I I had to be a good friend. I let Theo know I had his shoes, but I was just gonna leave them there in the podcast and see if he even noticed the entire time. <laughs> and they're they're very and anybody uh, listening, I'm, I'm a little bit of a sneaker guy. They're like a beautiful pair of of, of Air Jordan ones. Uh, and Billy is now in possession of them on the opposite <laughs> coast of the country. So we're gonna have to figure out how to get those sometime, sometime soonish. I'm gonna send you a FedEx or UPS. But I appreciate you you bringing those. And uh, the, they're my size, you, Theo. They're size twelve. No, those are those are thirteens, Billy. Those are thirteens. Oh, so they'll be a little too big on you. Don't don't put them on. <laughs> don't put them on. Uh, so we we actually we met before the draft, and we we met with Matt Kelly, the Podfather, and we made some predictions for the draft, and. We talked about a couple of players that were we were a little nervous for, like maybe they're going to get their values might get screwed up uh, during the draft. And just like every NFL draft, surprises, surprises, certain guys who we were expecting might have an issue uh, actually come through unscathed and certain guys that we were completely um, unprepared for certainly have a draft day hit uh, potential hits to their value, potential hits to their volume. These are the kind of things that we want to worry about right now. You're deep in best balls right now. Me and you draft against one another at the end of the month uh, in the Hardway League. It's it's redraft season now. I mean, we all have our rookie we have our rookie drafts uh, for our dynasty leagues this weekend, but it's we're, we're back in business here. the 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 table has been set, and and we have to to really you know readjust the market here. So, what was your general takeaway from the draft besides us being correct on Bijan Robinson landing spot? 
Before we dive into the draft, let's get a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chilling by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You know, overall, there was a lot of running backs who escaped kind of you know, unharmed inside of the draft that I was expecting teams to add some sort of competition earlier than they did and tight ends that escaped as well. Um, there's some really, really friendly positions that, that, that really came out really clean. And I'm, I'm looking at my early best ball shares and saying, Oh man, I, I got pretty lucky so far through the NFL draft because when we draft as early as we do, right. I maxed out the FFPC early best ball tournament. I'm already in 11 drafts here in, 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 in the second tournament now. That's going to be the main one for the entire season. And so when we draft this early, there's a few things we have to be concerned about. Free agency is one of them. The draft is another one. And then injuries, right? And so far, the exception of maybe one player that I've been that was high on, I've, I've got it pretty clean so far. So I'm liking my odds, knock on wood. But let's see how it unfolds. Yeah, and it's funny. People kind of get this this rea- overreaction after the NFL draft, and and I feel like me and you, we draft so often, and we've done this for such a long time. Not like a flex, but you're when when one player adjusts, you can often find new values. So, do you kind of find the like, it, even in even if it hasn't really affected the the top so much, do you find that you have to like completely readjust or you're kind of hitting, hitting the same similar guys in, in your drafts right after the NFL draft? No, they have to adjust. Yeah. Right? The, the, the entire equation kind of adjusts. I mean, there's going to be players that, you know, like Tony Pollard, in my opinion, who's still going too late in drafts. Yep. Ramondre Stevenson, who's still going too late in drafts. Players that come out of the NFL draft that have a larger opportunity share than what I was already projecting them for. You, you have to adjust. Now I'm not going to take them ahead of ADP, but I am going to take them maybe a couple spots before where I was. And there's also the flip side of the coin, right? Players that you were taking like Kenneth Walker is a, is a prime example, right? We, we, we look at, you know, prior to the NFL draft, he was going kind of that middle of round two, like clockwork. And last night I just got him in round four in a draft. 
And so that's a, a you know a two round drop, middle of round four at that. So literally two round drop since the NFL draft. And if you don't adjust and you continue to take him where you were taking, you're losing so much value and you're going to be able to still build that same team that you would have been able to build, right? So now instead of taking Ken Walker in round two, you could take a Waddle in round two. You could take an Amon Ross St. Brown. You can take who's climbing also, right? You can take another player and still get Kenneth Walker. So I think that if you don't adjust, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be paying the the price and you're going to be the rake. Yeah, basically take lock is one of the, you know, we're, we'll talk as the summer moves along and we draft live. We have some excellent drafters come on our show. Like having take lock and being inflexible is one of, is a really a terrible approach, uh, especially if you're going to do volume. You have to kind of like move with the punches here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I will say that when we talked about the, the players we value and their ADPs, them coming through unscathed, I mean, it feels fantastic. I had a, uh, not to get too dynasty-ish right now, but I had a lot of Rashad White. I held everything. I didn't I didn't succumb to, to, to trading him away cheap. Um, there was a lot of fears there, and I, I held a lot. So I have a, you know, I'm not going to say the amount of money I have in Rashad White right now, but it's probably <laughs> similar to your amount in best ball. And the only share that I moved was I traded Rashad White and the 107 to move up for the 102, and that was before the Jameer Gibbs landing spot. So I really want to touch base with you first on, to me, we knew Bijan Robinson was going to go high. We predicted Atlanta here on First Class Fantasy. We, we were not shocked at all by the top 10. This was The writing was on the wall. We could spend a whole lot of time on Bijan. Bijan's locked into the top 15 from here and forever, and that's that. But one player who's going to rise up significantly basically hit the nuts landing spot in terms of draft capital is Jameer Gibbs goes 12th overall to Detroit. It was, I was at the, I was at the draft. You were at the house. People were shocked by the pick. It was like a gasps. And not only did Jameer Gibbs manage to land in Detroit, a place that loved him enough to take him 12, but two days later, they trade Deandre Swift. Who's been a very productive player for them. A guy they spent a second round draft pick on, uh, he's hit 15 points per game twice in three years in 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 fantasy. Uh, what should our expectations be of a Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery backfield? So I think people don't want to admit it, but David Montgomery will lead this backfield in overall rush share. I have him right now projected for 48% of the rush share. Jameer Gibbs, I have him projected for 38% of the rush share. Um, where Jameer Gibbs is going to be heavily involved is going to be the passing game, right? And and Jameer yeah. Gibbs was heavily involved inside the passing game in college. Uh, one of the reasons why they were okay letting go of Swift, right? I think that we are expecting Gibbs to be what Swift would could never be inside of this offense because you look at Gibbs's target share inside college and it was fourteen point seven percent, ninety third percentile inside this draft class, and I think that. Overall, Gibbs is is a phenomenal player. We just got done kind of joking around on Dominator. People were saying that it was going to be a 60-40 split, Jameer Gibbs. And we plugged those numbers into the projections live on, on air. And it put him as like RB3. So don't expect 60% of the rush share from Gibbs. It's not going to happen. But we do expect to see him closer to 40% of the rush share. Passing volume is going to prop up his fantasy score. And I have him as RB18 overall. And I think that the thing that you have to remember with Billy is when Billy says RB18 overall, you might say, oh, you know, whatever. But if Billy's off by, Billy's has very realistic, unlike inflated 
projections. He's very good with this. So all it takes is if he beats your projection by 10%, Billy, which is yeah. not a whole lot, where yeah. would that put him? It's going to put him like just inside the top 14. Yeah. So, so he's right there. He's that high-end RB2, back-end RB1, if he beats the projection by 10%. If David Montgomery goes down, then we're talking about an RB1. So for me, Jameer Gibbs, I think, will finish running back 14 or higher. I'm going to take a bullish approach here. I think that there's a massive opportunity share for him in the passing game to support uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. I love Sam Laporta. I know you like Sam Laporta as well, but rookie tight end, it's a lot to ask him to catch more than like 50 balls. It is. Yeah. Um, so if Sam Laporta hits 50 catches as a rookie, that's a that's a win. Um, but for me, it's Jameer Gibbs has this opportunity to have 70 receptions. I don't think that's crazy. Um, and if if he I'm off a little, he's still over 65 receptions. It'll put him in, you know, top six among running backs. And you mentioned the 38 percent rushing opportunity. The one beautiful thing about playing with a, a back like David Montgomery is. Gibbs is not going to have to take the hits. So when you say 38% of rushes, I think there's going to be an opportunity for a high yards per carry, a chance to get him out in space, a chance to use him on draws. Um, this, whole th- this whole thing interests me. So um, we're, we're both into it. So how would you approach David Montgomery right now? Does he become the value? He is a value. And I, I think when, when you look at the like the rankings, so if you go over to playerprofiler.com, head up to the rankings tab at the top, and you go to the seasonal rankings, um, it doesn't have the projections in here, but they're on the backside. And right now, like I said, I have Gibbs a, as as RB. He moves to RB seventeen, so I lied. Sorry, RB seventeen. He moved up. Um, Montgomery comes in as RB twenty four. So we have two backs inside top twenty four over here in Detroit. But it's because they have an outstanding offensive line. Yes, we saw what Jamal Williams was able to do last year inside of this this offense. I know David Montgomery is a better back, especially at this point in his career. We're expecting him to be, you know, the goal line back for the most part. They're, don't get me wrong. They'll get Jameer Gibbs involved inside of, you know, packages and and third down passes and 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 and, and whatnot. But overall, I think that David Montgomery will lead the the red zone touches between these two. Um, and I think he is a value. I think if anyone has a chance to to really, you know, beat the projection by more than ten percent, David Montgomery is a name that's going to be near the top of that list. Like right now, I have him ranked ahead of Miles Sanders, ahead of James Conner, right, right behind Isaiah Pacheco. Um, so there's there's a real opportunity for David Montgomery to to beat this projection. Um, I talked about earlier the overall number of you know the rushing share opportunity, and it's forty eight percent. It's two hundred twenty rushing attempts, so not a lot, but I mean it's it's a decent amount. He's been his yards per carry have kind of been holding down his averages in the in the past, but again. Chicago didn't have the best offensive line. He comes over here to the Lions. We have a much better offensive line. So we gave him a bump in efficiency here. We're going to have him averaging 4.2 carries. Just going to be above 900 rushing yards. And David Montgomery is still involved in the passing game as well. So this is where people need to. I understand Gibbs is electric inside the passing game. Gibbs is an electric back. Took him top 12. That being said, I hear people saying that they would take him, you know, as, a, as, a, as an RB1. In Dynasty, sure. Redraft, there's just not that many outs for him to hit an RB1, in my opinion, just because Montgomery is also involved inside the passing game. I mean, look at what David Montgomery has done in the passing game. I understand new team, new coach, new system, but even when he, you know, he's had 54 receptions in his career at one point. 
25 in his rookie campaign, 54 in his sophomore campaign, 42 in 2021, 34 receptions last year. So it's not like he's some scrub inside the passing game. He's still going to be involved. And so I like David Montgomery this year. David Montgomery actually had his highest yards per catch this past season. Um, You know, it was obviously a low volume passing offense, but that was significant. So I'll say this, like with Gibbs, we want Alvin Kamara rookie year. That's kind of like the, if he threads the needle and he crushes it this year, it's, it's, uh, that's, that's the dream. The, that's the dream. So like, do we recall Christian McCaffrey's rookie year? Christian McCaffrey, I'm going to pull up his stats right now as a rookie. Like these guys usually blow, blow up in year two. Um, you know, in terms of, and a lot of these running backs that are rookies, you see them crush it down the stretch. Brees Hall was a little different. Brees Hall was like maybe like a little bit out at the gate, nothing crazy, and then he ripped it. Um, but you think about like Jonathan Taylor, a number of these backs, it's it's not necessarily from game one. But I'm pulling up uh, McCaffrey stats just so we see a little bit. 117 rushing attempts, 435 rushing yards. He averaged 3.7 yards per carry. Hit 80 receptions, 651 receiving yards, seven touchdowns. He was RB number 12 in points per game. I don't know about where it was for the overall season, though. But I think that's also like an archetype there where he was playing with another running back that was, you know, he, it wasn't like his show, but he had the 80 receptions there. So running back 12 there. But I agree, Billy. I, I think that the the writings on the wall that Gibbs is going to steam up um, to maybe a, a point in ADP where we're off of him. Um but Montgomery, interesting, and I'll say your projection of 220 carries for, for Montgomery, like Jamal Williams had 260 last year, 262. So I think that's like, you're going to hit that for sure, um, as long as he stays healthy. And we love the offensive coordinator. We love the situation. Detroit was top 10 in, in scoring last year in points per game. Uh, they're, they're a very, very efficient offense. One offense that uh, has me a little nervous here, unlike Detroit, I want to draft both running backs. Like, talk me off of drafting both. Seattle has me scared to death. Ken Walker was a guy that we have talked about. We talked about it with JJ Zachariason. We've talked about it with each other. I've talked about it on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I felt like he was an overrated dynasty asset this year and overrated in redraft. You agreed on that. I've, I said that he was like a Nick Chubb and he was going in the second round. We, we continually encourage people to draft wide receivers over him. Yep. Now we have Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet goes about 10 spots lower in terms of draft capital is where they took Ken Walker last year. Zach Charbonnet is 220 pounds. He was a capable receiver at UCLA. He played as a true freshman at Michigan ahead of Hassan Haskins, who's an NFL back right now. There's a lot to like about Zach Charbonnet as a prospect. Despite Ken Walker's success last year, they took him. Do we have a complete mess here, Billy? How do you see this backfield shaking out? I don't think it's a mess. I mean, there was a lot of of um, vacated touches here, right, in this backfield. People will mention vacated targets all the time, but you know, from a running back standpoint, vacated rushing share is a real thing as well. Um, we knew that they, you know, didn't have Penny anymore. They really only had DJ Dallas in the backfield. They let go of Homer. There was a bunch of pieces that were gone, and yes, it was a bunch of kind of hodgepodge pieces. Yet when you total it all up, it was a meaningful rush share. Um, Ken Walker, to me, we, we talked about it a lot. Ken Walker, to me, was being overdrafted in round two. Yes. Because we knew they were going to add a running back, and we knew that we were going to see his value or his, his, his ADP decline. And it's exactly what happened. But where he's going now, 
I think it's a value. He's going it in round four now. So I got him middle of round four. I'm in a literally a draft right now as we're podcasting simultaneously. Um, And he just went inside this draft. He just went four, four. Um, I'll take him all day at four, four. Like he just went one spot. Jameer Gibbs just went four, three JK Dobbins, four, five. Right. And so Ken Walker just went as RB 17 off the board. He's kind of been floating between that RB 15, RB 16, RB 18 range inside of FFPC best balls. I think that's gone too far. When you look at the rankings right now, I still have him inside the top 15. I've missed RB 14 in the projections. So I'll take the discount all day because I think he's a talented back. I think he has, I think he's a great runner. We, we, we just, you just said he, you know, he reminded us a lot of, of Nick Chubb. And so yes. when you look at his breakaway rates, he was number three in the league. He had 17 breakaway runs. He was number eight in breakaway run rate at 7.5%. So I like him in round four. I did not like him in round two. I will be owning a lot if he stays in round four. I think that's that's probably the right approach, especially for immediately drafting. I'll be interested to see how it shakes out when we get down to August. All you've got to have is Pete Carroll say Ken Walker's the man, Charbonnet's the backup, and I think that'll adjust a little bit. Well, then no one He's, will believe him either, and then they'll probably. <laughs> well, Pete's the kind of guy that that you know he's in, <laughs> over inflating everybody. So you're you're right about that. But here's here's my fears. My fear is. And this is another player that I have a ton of in Dynasty. So I've had to do a lot of soul searching about what I, how I want to handle Ken Walker. The fact that the team took a running back this early, I think, says something. And I think internally, do they think Ken Walker cannot hold up? That might be something that led to this. They also might prefer to go to a committee approach. They might say the way we're going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles next year is we're going we're gonna to pound the ball and we're going to change. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen, but that might have been an internal conversation. It, it, it definitely doesn't seem that way with the Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, pick, but who knows with Seattle? They're a tough team to figure out, in my opinion. Um, I worry about who gets the two-minute work. I worry about who gets the goal line work. I worry about, hey, maybe Ken Walker, who we both agree is a natural runner. You talk about his breakaway ability. You talk away about his his broken tackles ability. I mean, he checks off all the boxes as a runner. Last year, he he like exceeded expectations as a receiver. That was the knock on him coming in was that he's a guy that is going to be you know just a between the tackles guy. He kind of disproved that. He looked pretty good catching the ball, but maybe Pete wants to split it up. These are the kind of things that get me nervous, Billy. Where you might end up with a dead zone back, and neither one helps you. One finishes as RB twenty one, and one finishes as RB thirty four. And neither one, it's you're living in purgatory with those guys. Do you foresee a situation that Pete could go with an ugly split and you get burned on that fourth round walker? Uh, it's not going to be an ugly split. I mean, don't get me wrong. Charbonnet is going to be involved, right? And, and, but he's not going to see 45, 50% of the share. That's just, I, I don't see that happening. I still think Kenneth Walker is close to 50%. I have him projected for 49%, which is 210 rushing attempts. Right. And and so it's not the 54, 55 percent that we had him projected for, you know, prior to the draft. But again, there was a lot of opportunity that share that that left this team. And so I think that, yes, the round two draft capital says that the Seahawks want to run the ball. Right. When you look at personnel they ran last year, they ran some of the most 12 personnel in the league. Right. And so I, I think that 
they're going to run double tight end. They're going to run the ball. They're going to have extra blockers in the field. This to me was insurance. This was this was also, hey, if if Geno Smith struggles this year, um, we can now lean on the rushing game, right? And so they still have DK. They still have Lockett. They go out and get Jackson Smith and Jigba. This is to me signaling that they want to imp- improve their offense. They want to get better as a passing unit, which will also in turn balance the rushing attack. And so I think that overall, to answer your question in a long-winded way, I don't think it's going to be an ugly split. I still think Kenneth Walker is going to see the majority of the touches. Charbonnet is, is in my opinion, you know, going to be involved, but not to the extreme that people are thinking. Well, that's uh, that's definitely um, one one to consider, and I think you should listen to Billy also if you're drafting in a FFPC rookie draft this weekend. And we're actually going to pause, and we're going to uh, hear from our sponsors, the FFPC. You know, people always ask me, hey, what is the the World Series of fantasy or the Super Bowl of fantasy football? And it's easy. It's the FFPC, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. It's a $6 million prize pool. And they've had their never-too-early best ball leagues cranking since February. And so the FFPC is the answer to so many questions. Hey, hey, where's the best place to get a dynasty orphan? Well, you can adopt a dynasty orphan at the FFPC. That's why we partner with them. If you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, seasonal, best ball, dynasty, go to the FFPC. And don't forget, promo code UNDERWORLD to get you $25 off your first team. $25 off your first team, no matter what team it is, no matter what format it is, at the FFPC. Go do it. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Those live drafts in Vegas are uh, are creeping up, uh, Billy. We're, oh, we're, I can't wait. We're going to be there soon enough. I, I can't wait either. I actually, this weekend, I want to go through and, and book a bunch of my drafts in Vegas. I always, I try not to wait to the last minute. I want to have it mapped out. I'm sure you've booked a few. Yeah, maybe, maybe a few. Maybe a few. Okay, so <laughs> we, we definitely come up, say what's up to us in Vegas. Um, You know, we, we know a lot of you guys, but I'm, I'm sure there's more people we'll meet this year. Uh, I can't wait. One guy that I, I want to touch base on, though, we had another another kind of fallout here from from the Gibbs situation is DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift ends up in Philadelphia on a huge day three trade. It wasn't not, wasn't significant what they gave up to get DeAndre Swift because he's in the last year of his contract. I think we can both agree on that, Billy. Yeah, I mean, it was it was borderline free, right? I think it, yeah. I think they actually get if he walks in for agency, they get around four pick back. And so realistically, they got him for 30, 30 spot differences in around seven. I mean, it's 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 legit free. And so this was the Lions just saying, take him. We don't want him. And I mean, how he meant they're just this is typical of the Eagles just playing chess as everyone else is playing checkers right now. So it's a great story for Swift. Uh, there's several several layers to this. 
we've wanted Swift to get out of Detroit since the Montgomery signing because, you know, I getting him away from Montgomery kind of made sense. And as soon as Gibbs was drafted, you know, we were kind of begging for a move. So you get that. Um, you get, you know, a guy who we believe is a talented player kind of out of a crowded situation. Uh, then you also have the factor that he's going home. DeAndre Swift is from Philadelphia. He played at St. Joe's Prep, which if you know Philadelphia sports, it's one of the powerhouses, a uh, big, huge Catholic school. They're, they're very good every year. And he was a legendary player there. He was Southeast PA player of the decade on a couple of lists. That's how good his career was there. And um, anybody who knows, you know, high school football knows that that's a, that's a significant thing from that region. So DeAndre Swift going home, it's, it's awesome. But how is he going to do an Nick Sirianni-led offense that, that has A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard all getting their looks, Jalen Hurts running the ball himself, and you also have the factor that Nick Sirianni likes to use multiple running backs each game. I loved Ian Hardett's tweet the other day. It was hilarious. I retweeted it. It was DeAndre Swift is in line for a monster workload and a breakout campaign if Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, Rashad Penny, and Jalen Hurts get hurt. And so I think we have to just temper our expectations with Swift. Although we love the offensive line, we love the landing spot and and inside the Eagles. We love the fact that they're going to be pushing the ball. We love the fact they're going to have positive game scripts. There's there's still a few factors you have to consider. One, Kenneth Gainwell is a very similar back who's going to be involved in the passing game, who's also going to be involved on first and second downs, who was heavily involved in the red zone last year, and they they really like him. They 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 leaned on him in the playoffs, and he came up big when it mattered. They went out and signed Rashad Penny, and yes, it was a, a small contract. Nonetheless, Penny has been explosive when healthy. He's averaged over six yards per carry for the past two years. His only downfall is health. So great. They go out and sign a dynamic back who's going to be able to give them some during the season. And when he's health, healthy, great. When he's not in the field, then they get to go to a three-man rotation because they re-signed Boston Scott as well. And so Boston Scott never has a large workload, but it does have his involvement somehow always finds a way to fall into the end zone to sneak into the red zone opportunity. And so DeAndre Swift is going to come in inside the projections at about 25% of the rushing share, which is only about 135 rushes. So we do expect him to be involved in the passing game. So I got him for about nine and a half, roughly 10% target share. So it's a little over 50, 50 targets and it might be light compared to where he has been in the past. But again, Jalen hurts doesn't dump the ball off a lot, yeah. right? His, his model when he gets in trouble is he tucks the ball and run. He's a rushing quarterback is what he does. And so people need to temper expectations because Swift isn't going to see the amount of passes that he saw inside Detroit when Jared Goff would just dump it off to him. So I like Swift, love the talent, love, love, love the talent, has middle stay in the field. But realistically, where he's going in drafts right now, I don't like the ADP, right? Like, it, like, the, like right now, he just went as RB23. He's going in the fifth round right now. So I, I had this conversation where I think I might be comfortable taking him in the fifth. I think he's going to steam up higher, though, Billy. I think so, too. I think he'll end up in the fourth. I think he'll end up in the fourth, and then I'm probably out. Right here, but DeAndre Swift or Isaiah Pacheco? That's a great one. Okay. That's a great one. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say they're about even, but I'll, I'll, make a, I'll make a bull case for Swift. Okay. How about Swift, Swift or Rashad White? 
That's a great one. That's a great question. And I think that uh, I'd probably go Rashad White because Rashad White um, is a guy that I know is going to get a lot of targets. Um, and I know that Rashad White's going to get the majority of the of the carries. I don't have to worry nearly as much about a split, even though it's a worse offense. But I think that they'll be close, though, Billy. Okay, Rashad White or Cam Akers? You're stealing the future questions. It's Rashad White, though. But Cam Akers, Rashad White, that's a great one, Billy. And I'll Sorry. throw one to you, Sorry. then. How about Swift, Swift or Cam Akers, what I meant? I might go Swift in that one. So... I disagree, and it's because Cam Akers, again, doesn't have as many heads to compete against in this offense, right? Yes, the line is worse. The team is worse. Nonetheless, he's still slated to see the majority of the touches, right? There's not many backs that are slated for over 50% of the rushing share. Cam Akers is one of them. He's going a round and a half later than than Swift, or he's going now around the same round as Swift, but he's going a round and a half later in some of these drafts. We see... White, who's going literally a round and a half later, Dalvin Cook going a round and a half later, David Montgomery going later. I would much rather just wait and take these backs who have a much better path to success and opportunity in the rushing game where we're going to be relying on Swift to catch a lot of passes in order to, you know, outperform his ADP. If he's going to outperform his ADP, they're going to have to change as an offense. I mean, we can agree on that. Like, they're going to have to, you know, manufacture touches for him or make passing to him part of more of the more part of the offense than we've seen you know in the past uh, two years under Nick Sirianni so I agree with you to an extent I think that my argument might be that he's a talented enough player that when he's healthy uh he's gonna he commands targets he averages about five targets a game for his career um so even if that goes down a little bit it's still he's the kind of guy that that offensive coordinators like in the ball to in space um, and they like, you know, being able to to dump off to him. I'm not sure if that's something that Philadelphia internally wants to add. Um, they they sure don't didn't look like a team that needed to change anything last year. They were just rolling. But I think a lot of times the very good teams are willing to throw new wrinkles in. So that one remains to be seen. But I do want to get back to we just talked about Rashad White and Cam Akers a little bit. Uh, those two, as well as J.K. Dobbins, come through the come out of the NFL draft totally unscathed. Uh, Cam Akers had uh, Zach Evans in the sixth round. I know there's Zach Evans stands, but we'll we'll close the the, the door on that one. Your sixth round pick's not going to beat out Cam Akers. Cam Akers is safe as it comes. Uh, Dobbins is as well, and so is Rashad White. In a post NFL draft landscape, with that, with no regard to ADP, who has the best season of the three? <sighs> List them again for me. Dobbins, Akers, Rashad White. Oh man, these are so clustered to my rankings. I'll, um, I'll go first if you want to think about it. I, I for me, like I, we love Rashad White. We've talked about Rashad White a ton. Um, this he's he's going to have a very good year, and our seventh round exposure to him is a massive hit. But to me, it's Dobbins because I think the quality of the offense is going to be the best one there. Um, we've seen them add all these wonderful weapons in the passing game for Lamar Jackson. I like the offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. And I think there's a chance that Dobbins just has like the career year that we've we've always envisioned for him. I think like in terms of touchdowns scored, I think like Dobbins could fall in the end zone 10, 12 times this year. And that would not that would not surprise me, despite playing next to the running quarterback. Um, and I think that it's the quality of the offense that kind of pushes him over. Whereas Rashad White, I love him from a volume perspective. And I do think that the receiving is going to be there. 
Uh, Cam Akers, I, I'm just not ready to be there yet that I can envision Cam Akers for an entire season, you know, putting it together. We haven't seen it yet. Um, so to me, I would go Dobbins, White, Akers. How would you rank the three and your thoughts on my, my Dobbins outlook? They're so clustered in my projection. So, for instance, I got Rashad White at 18. I have Dobbins at 21. I have Cam Akers at 22. They're all separated by three fantasy points. This is how close this this group is between, and you can even include Jameer Gibbs inside of this cluster. It's from RB17 to RB22 is separated by four, five fantasy points, including Gibbs. And so I think there's, when you have a cluster like this, there is a wide range of outcomes. It would not surprise me if any one of those guys outperformed the other. I think from a pure talent standpoint, I think J.K. Dobbins is probably the the best in the best spot right now to outperform them. We even saw him last year coming off that injury, coming into the back to the team, looking hobbled when he's running down on those breakaway runs. And he still had a 10.9% breakaway run rate. So I think from a explosiveness, Todd Munkin offense leaning on the run, I think that we can expect to see a pretty heavily used season for J.K. Dobbins coming another year off injury, I think, having more trust in that knee. Um, the projections have it white just because of the volume, right? And the opportunity and the involvement in the passing game and just having a little bit more um, opportunity inside in getting those catches, but I think that J.K. Dobbins could. So I'm kind of beating on the bush here. I'm going to lean Dobbins, but I, I want to say White. But but the 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 short answer is you'd be in on either one of them. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So th- I think that's that's a reassuring thing, and I, I agree with you. And I think that when we start looking at if you sorry if you look at draft boards though. Dobbins going like four or five whites going six, seven. So if you bake in yeah. ADP, it's white all day for me. And I think you can also, we will talk a little bit more about how we're building our teams. We'll look at some boards in future weeks, but you could potentially wait on RB and have Dobbins white and maybe one more player of that ilk. And I think your team would look pretty good the way that it's shaking out. Your thoughts on that? There are so many opportunities and different ways to draft this year. Like yeah, I have found awesome. myself getting very creative this year because quarterback has just shot up boards, right? Jalen Hurts goes, like I said, I'm literally drafting right now live, Theo. And Jalen Hurts just went 2-4 in this draft. Patrick Mahomes, 2-10. Josh Allen, 2-11. We had three quarterbacks go in round two. What does that do? That gets you people like Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, Mark Andrews, all in that 3-3 three, three to 3-7 three, range. When you have that type of flexibility, you can go any route, right? And so I love the running backs you're able to get in rounds eight, nine, ten. You can grab, you know, a, a James Cook. You can grab a Rashad White in seven at times. He used to go in eight. You can grab P. Ryan, who's undervalued right now. You can grab a um, A.J. Dillon, right? Or you can split it up and go early running back and say, hey, you what? I'm going to go CMC, Ramondre Stevenson, and, you know, Derek Henry the first three rounds because the wide receivers also are getting pushed down the board because the quarterbacks are going early. You can get Traylon Burks in seven. You can get, you know, Pickens in, in round eight or Jamison Williams even later now. Cortland Sutton in round nine. You know, you can there, there's so many ways that you can build it. So man, I, I don't there's not there's not a right answer here. 
I think it's that you hit the nail on the head, and I think you can build your team in different ways this year. I agree with you on that. And if you ask me, like name name the the player or the draft slot that that's in the main event final this year, I really couldn't tell you because <laughs> I think ADP is still going to shake up a little bit. But we we see like a a number of guys we like right now in certain segments, and I, I agree with you. Like especially the running back values, I think they're all over the place right now. Um, two two running backs that we've we've touched on are Ramondre Stevenson and Tony Pollard. Mm-hmm. Both of them avoid Bijan Robinson. That rumor was out there, and the Vegas books actually had Bijan both going to bo- both those places, like it was within the top like six. Um, where will the where will the market end up on these two? Because I agree with you that they're both being underdrafted, but I think that the that the summer will kind of correct things when we get to August. How will Tony Pollard be treated and how will Ramondre Stevenson be treated in terms of ADP? I think it so I think Pollard has a worse chance of of being safe because more than likely somebody like Zeke, somebody like Fournette, somebody like Hunt will land inside Dallas. They had six it didn't take a running back until round six. It was Deuce Vaughn and it was a legacy pick just to get, you know, an attaboy to his dad, right? And so I don't know. Well, I'll say I'll say I think Deuce Vaughn, like Billy, you have you have Deuce Vaughn in our in our top 300 right now. And, and we don't dislike him. I think that if Pollard went down, Deuce Vaughn would be fun. He's not Danny Woodhead, but he's exactly. Fun. But he's not going to yeah. see 225 no. carries. No, he's not. Yeah. Right. And so and that's where I'm going with this, because that's what's available inside of this backfield right now. Don't so piss th- off. Don't piss off Kansas State people, Billy, on a, so- on a podcast. Like right now, Pollard shot up to RB five after the draft. He was like RB 10. If they added Zeke back, if they added a Fournette back, Pollard would probably drop back to nine or 10 range, right? Just because there's going to be 170, 180, maybe 190 carries that are going to be, you know, eaten out of that workload. He's still going to see the majority of the passing game inside this offense. That being said, Ramondre Stevenson, the Patriots had 12 picks inside the NFL draft, 12. They used none of them on a running back. That is a clear signal that they won trust Ramondre Stevenson, who saw nearly 60% of the rushing share last year, who was RB3 inside of targets last year. They're going to lean heavily on him again. They, they, it means they trust Pierre Strong. We're already hearing words they're going to cut Robinson. They yeah. still have Kevin Harris, who was good out of college as well. So I think the Patriots are content with the running back core they have, and Stevenson is probably safer of the two to remain where he's at inside of projections. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I will say that, like, we've talked about this a little bit where these older running backs ending up in Dallas, I, I still think at the end of the day, Pollard gives you that incredible upside in this offense, especially to hit these massive, massive spike week performances. But Ramondre is super, super safe right now, too. I mean, we talk about a guy who could potentially be, you know, we talk about Eckler and McCaffrey are getting a little bit older. You know, at the end of the day, we would bet, bet on both of those guys having more catches than Ramondre this year. But if I told you at the end of the year that Ramondre was second overall in running back catches, you'd say, OK, you know, like we've seen it last year. So he's close to it. And Billy and I, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we were encouraging people to draft these guys for weeks. And, uh, you know, we're here. They, they avoided it. And um, it's definitely exciting. And like you said, Billy, this is, you know, another thing where you can kind of build your team backwards. It's kind of like a you can get an anchor RB with Ramondre without having a, to use one in the first round. So it's, it's very, very exciting. Want to talk about a backfield. That's not necessarily that exciting, but they both came through unscathed at cost. Who would you rather have Brian Robinson or Antonio Gibson right now? 
Antonio Gibson. I think he has a much larger path to success in the passing game. Brian Robinson is just like vanilla ice cream, right? It's like yeah. he just const- always going to be there. It's not it's not that exciting, right? It, you know what you're going to get. He's going to just plot up the middle. He's probably going to see 20 carries a game. You know, he's going to have volume. This was the debate. I don't know if you had left that night, but me and Alex Dunlap got in debate late late at night. We were, you know, a few drinks in, got debates. We have a few bets now going into 2023 season. And I said, I don't care if you like Brian Robinson. I don't even like Brian Robinson. And I'm not trying to debate for his case, but I'm telling you right now, he's going to be pretty, he's going to be used a lot. They're going to give him the ball a lot. Look what they did down the stretch. Right. And so I think they have a pretty clear cut one, two now, right? Uh, Ground and pound, lightning and thunder. I think you have um, Brian Robinson, who's the thunder. You You have Gibson, who's the lightning and has a chance to really kind of blow up the passing game with McKissick on. You have a new offensive coordinator. You have an, an inexperienced quarterback who's going to be, what, favoring the dump-offs. It's going to benefit Gibson. So there's a lot of things to like about Gibson. I have him ranked a lot higher than consensus in the rankings. I have him at RB29 right now. Yeah, and and we were on the Gibson train for a while now. I agree with you. Like, this is a – Brian Robinson is a Ron Rivera back. He likes these kind of guys, the plotters and, and you know, guys that are, that are reliable. They're not going to fumble – uh, Antonio Gibson is the guy that we want in fantasy, especially when he's getting drafted behind Robinson. And I think that having the change in, in offensive coordinator with Biennemi coming over there, like Biennemi wants a head coaching job. I think you're going to want to get the ball in Antonio uh, Gibson's hand as much as hands as much as possible. I also think an underrated aspect was they didn't upgrade the, te- the tight end position. They were rumored to, to add a tight end. They're going to go with Logan Thomas, who's getting a little bit older. So there's not really a threat of like a, a Laporta or a Kincaid or a Michael Mayer being added in there. I think that's a that's a low key win for Gibson as well. So we're both on Gibson. We both love Gibson the talent, and I hope it's going to happen. Real quick, we're, time out. Who was the offensive coordinator when Jamal Charles was on the Chiefs? I'm not sure. I think it was Eric Bieniemy. It might have been Bieniemy, right? Yeah. If we can have that type of game plan for Gibson. I know we're not going to see the amount of you know, rushing attempts, but the involvement in the passing game, even if we saw an increase in rushing attempts, RB 29 could be a smash spot for Gibson. I completely agree with you. I mean, I think like Gibson's a guy who's shown it. Gibson's a a hyper athlete with receiving ability. And these are the kind of guys that when it clicks, you end up with big time fantasy success. You've already seen it from Gibson. So it's Mm -hmm. not like we're hoping for something. It's just a matter of him having to overcome the Rivera Turner like hatred of him, uh, he's got to stop fumbling the football. That's the that's the one thing with Gibson. You do worry yeah. about an early fumble and they get away from him. But if he can avoid his fumbles, he's he's a stud for fantasy. He's probably a better fantasy player than real life player, which is odd because a lot of times we we see we see a disconnect with that. Um, Want to keep going here though, Billy? This is a very quick one. Which second round wide receiver would you like to have in redraft the most? Marvin Mims, or who was drafted to Denver, Jonathan Mingo, who was actually the first of these three off the board to Carolina, competing with DJ Shark, Terrace Marshall, and Adam Thielen, or Jalen Reed, who landed in Green Bay, um, you know, potentially as the second fiddle to Romeo Dubs game one. It's 100% Reed for me. I just think he has just an immediate path to success inside this offense. There were so many vacated targets 
in this offense. Jordan Love is going to be looking for that connection outside of Christian Watson. Dubs, I mean, I loved, I, I liked Romeo more than most people did last year. I, but I, I think Reed's going to step in and take over that role pretty quickly. I completely agree with you. I think Reed is a value right now. And I think that there is a, I would not bet on it, but there is a, there's a universe here where Reed is the more valuable uh, Packers wide receiver than Christian Watson a year from now. Cause I think that it's, it's a spicy take, but Reed kind of fits into a very reliable slot. That's putting up a, a ton of catches. I think that's in his range of outcomes. He's got toughness to him. Watson is a guy that I absolutely love. You've heard me rave about on the show, but I, that kind of speaks volumes to, I think Reed's going to be very successful in green Bay. And I think a year from now, I think we're going to look at this as like a, a wide receiver pairing that we really, really like for green Bay. So I, I'm with you on that one. That's a pretty easy one. And I'll flex that. I drafted uh, Jalen Reed in three rookie drafts already. I, I drafted him in the, in the, uh, the black crown league. Um, Dan Williamson and I uh, drafted him and I actually traded Mike Williams for him in uh, to Scott Barrett in a dynasty league. So I was trying to rebuild this team. So I, I'm glad you're on that, Billy. Uh, I love, <laughs> I love Jalen Reed and you make me feel good right now. Um, let's talk about another w- rookie wide receiver, but one that went higher. Quentin Johnston lands in Los Angeles. Uh, this is a player that uh, was a, a big time yak guy at TCU. Uh, put up big time numbers, and a lot of it was yards after the catch. He's six foot one. He's over two hundred pounds. Uh, he's an interesting player, and the Chargers certainly seem to like him. Is this pick elevate Justin Herbert for you? Um, maybe a little bit. This offense passes so much. I think this is more of an insurance pick because we know that Mike Williams and you know, Allen, you know, can get injured at any given time. And Josh Palmer just did not um, capitalize on the opportunity last year, right? And, and so I think this signals that they don't fully trust Palmer as as the three. This is probably the future inside LA. Um, you know, Quentin Johnson, I think, is definitely probably going to be the number one down the road. But I, I don't. It's not going to be this year. Um, it doesn't elevate. It doesn't elevate him, Herbert, to you know that that much but i think it's more of kind of a, a floor pick yeah i agree with you like to me i don't think it really changes a whole lot with herbert in terms of uh attempted passes in terms of his touchdown passes i mean there might be certain situations where if we really broke it down adding a weapon like johnston instead of palmer um is gonna gonna be beneficial or maybe they're able to be more successful in four wide receiver sets you also have the kellen moore factor so I'll say maybe it kind of reassures Kellen Moore. Uh, it- I think we lost Theo there for a minute. Um, give him a couple minutes to get back. And if not, we can talk about um, the next person on the sheet, which is Devon A-Chain. Uh, so Devon A-Chain lands in the perfect spot. When we take a look at the projections, uh, it's safe to say that he has an immediate path to success inside of Miami. Um, I absolutely love the spot. And I remember I was sitting in the draft war zone or war room with 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 Dario. And we were entering in our projections um, as the picks were coming in in round one, as the picks were coming in inside round two. Uh, Dario looks at me and says, how sweet would it be if... He says, how sweet would it be if they take or if Miami takes a chain? And I said, oh, man, it would be such a great pick because 
we know that McDaniels loves his speed, right? We know that they have Waddle. We know they have Tyreek Hill. They have Raheem Mostert, who's you know a track star. I think A-Chain comes into this offense um, and immediately steps into a significant role. Uh, in the projections right now, I have A-Chain projected 30% of the rushing share. I think it's a huge knock to Jeff Wilson, a huge knock to Raheem Mostert, who are now all in that 25 or 30% rushing share. Um, but A-Chain's going to be heavily involved in the passing game as well, who's, you know, he was also heavily involved in college in the passing game. And so when you have that speed um, that McDaniels likes, and and the word is that McDaniels really lobbied for him inside the draft room to get him on this team, you have to like the path to success for Devon A-Chain. How about you, Theo? I'm I'm all about Devon A-Chain. And I took a lot of flack from I took a lot of flack from Cody um when I was a somewhat of a of an A-Chain stan where you know this is a guy that I was very excited about certainly the like third round um I thought he would have gone in the second so that was like a, a little bit of a loss even though it's pretty similar um but the landing spot is just phenomenal you have a coach who knows how to how to use speed knows how to get guys out in space uh, I think it's fantastic um and I know you're on him and I and that kind of reassures me as well I think that for dynasty listeners he might get overdrafted um, right now, but which is kind of interesting. We've seen him go anywhere between like the 107 and the and the 110. Um, but gosh, it could be really, really exciting. I, I, I'm I'm very, very into him this year, and I think he's got like outside potential to be an RB two this year, just based on spike weeks. Um, one one other uh, question I had was, and it's a little depressing. Seattle, Seattle takes uh, my favorite wide receiver in the ja- in the draft in, in Jackson Smith and Jigba. <sighs> What does this do with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett? It's it's uh it's it's really like got me a little depressed, Billy, because we finally got DK up to 140 targets last year. So DK's finally hitting like that proper alpha target number. Yeah. Now they throw what I consider to be an exceptional talent into the mix. Tyler Lockett has also been a guy that we've been able to lean on year in, year out. I know you're a Tyler Lockett stand, and I have to hear about him from Dan Williamson practically every GOAT district show. That's like his guy. <laughs> what is going to happen here? What is going to happen here in Seattle? Can you kind of reassure me with any of these guys? Or is, is there some question marks? There's question marks, right? Because you have the comeback player of the year at the quarterback, Geno Smith, who we're going to say it's pretty safe to say that regression is, is, is due. Um, like you said, they have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba all in the passing game. I said earlier that this team runs some of the most twelve, the most twelve personnel inside the league, which means a bunch of Noah Fant and Will Disley, which means the number three wide receiver is not going to be on the field, which would be Jackson Smith and Jigba. And Billy, not one. to not to interrupt you, but Pete doubled down on his use of twelve because yeah. today, it was like today. I don't know if you saw that quote, but it was like Pete, Pete what are you, what are you doing? You're talking <laughs> to me about Will Disley and Noah Fant when you have Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, why don't you sit back and let Shane Waldron do what they did in Los Angeles and let let him cook a little bit and just get the ball to all these guys? Keep de- de- like increase your the amount of, of of pass attempts this year with the talent, but I worry like crazy about it. Let me let me tell you my my nightmare scenario here is they all kind of like DK Metcalf is a, is a true alpha, but maybe he sees slightly less like manufactured uh you know smoke routes like a few a few less like doesn't take a whole lot he could go down 10 catches 
and all of a sudden he's kind of starting to be a little bit overdrafted or less appealing at ADP. Do you worry about DK a little bit, or is it more the, the Lockett situation? Um, I think the Jigba affects Lockett more than than Metcalf. Yeah. Nonetheless, anytime you have a talented rookie like this land inside the same wide receiver corpse, you have to knock them all down a peg. Like Metcalf moved to 133 targets in my projections. He went to 24 and a half target share. Uh, Tyler Lockett moved to 100 and 110 targets. So all these guys took a, a small dip down. Uh, there was some vacated targets in this offense to begin with, so it was a little easier to project. Um, it really kind of kills everybody else below them. Like, but it sucks, Billy. It sucks. It sucks. I, I, you it don't sucks. like the landing spot for Dynasty. It, it's it's it, it's safe to say that you can look at other receivers now and make a case for them over over Jackson Smith and Jigba. Well, so it's it's hashtag Rookie Draft Weekend. So mm-hmm. I'm allowed to talk Dynasty for like 10 percent of this show. Jackson Smith and Jigba is not the kind of guy that I'm going to going to dodge at all in Dynasty because I believe he's an exceptional talent. And I'll even say that if it gets to a point where people want to beat up the situation too much. I think I might end up with a, with a little too much Jackson Smith and Jigba and redraft because he's going to end up being at a point where Garrett Wilson was being drafted. Like, I think he'll get a little bit higher than that because people are a little bit more into the quarterback situation, which we'll touch on in Seattle. But like, this is the kind of wide receiver. It's kind of like in the NFL, life finds a way sometimes. And when you're just that dude and you can you can do the things Jackson Smith and Jigba can do, sometimes it just works out. And I think sometimes when we fade so much, uh, we don't get into the fact that they might have internal meetings and say, hey, we got to get this this kid Smith and Jigba the ball more. So I to me, it's it's an absolute mess. But to me, I, I, for me, I'm probably a little less inclined to draft DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and maybe a little bit more inclined to draft Smith and Jigba if he gets pushed down a little bit. And we just have. Well, where do you think he's going to end up by the end of the summer? So let's see where he went in this draft that's going on right now. So he just went round seven, dude. So I, so I went ahead of Chris Godwin. That's so that's, that's a mistake, but Billy, I'll say when he went ahead of Lockett, he went ahead of, Chris Godwin, ahead of Traylon Burks, ahead of Mike Evans. Get the fuck out of here. Billy, did his did his manager no, have I, Geno Smith? I no, he did not. Okay, so I don't that's a that's not a He took uh, Geno Smith the next round. But so he gets a little he gets a he gets a little stack there, Billy. You know, gets no, this, that's stupid. You don't four, do that. It's a it's a four stack. You're gonna so, take the wide receiver three on, on Seattle before the wide receiver one inside of Tampa, inside of Tennessee, inside of <laughs> yeah, that's on. it's it's bad process. But I think that my takeaway is he won't be in the seventh round when we're actually drafting in 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 August. No, your takeaway is this guy's on drugs for taking him there. Like that's, that, <laughs> it, it's definitely you know hashtag force the stack guys exist a lot of times. It's not this April twentieth, is it? No, no, it's not. Not no, it's it's a little <laughs> past that. But uh, anyway, we cut it. We're we're very angry at Pete Carroll that we had to talk about Ken Walker versus Charbonnet. And we had to talk about, you know, the three-headed monster wide receiver. But hold, the one up, takeaway hold here. Hold up. Hold up. I have to figure out. This can't be normal. Where is he going in drafts? His ADP is 55. Well, that was bef- – I feel like a lot of the – is that how, – how, how, how specific are you? Are you post-NFL draft ADP? 
is yeah, this is this is the um the three fifties over at FFPC. Oh, so this is that's it's it's too much then. It's too that's, much then. He's going as forty four off the. Uh, he's oh my god, that's disgusting. It's uh the guy's I, you're, an exceptional you're, talent. He's okay, an exceptional talent. Exceptional I, talent, but yeah. Ahead of all those receivers, are you taking him ahead of those guys? No, I'm taking Chris Godwin. I'm taking Traylon Burks. But I think 100%. when you get to when you get Bur- Burks versus Jackson Smith and Jigba, like that one would maybe give me pause because I have some questions about Tennessee and maybe I don't. I wouldn't want to. As much as I love Burks, it might be an offense to avoid. Um, but you can't take him over Godwin. Godwin's a proven thing. Godwin was a top twelve wide receiver in points per game last year. He's been <laughs> a top three wide receiver in points per game, and he's not thirty five. Guys, Chris Godwin's still a young man. Um, but the one takeaway here is we're mad at Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks for whatever they did to us in fantasy. But the one, but the one player who might end up becoming a real value here is Geno Smith. Like, what does this do to like, I, I'm writing an article now. It's a dynasty article, but my, my veteran winners from the NFL draft. Oh, he's Geno Smith is a huge winner. They did not draft a quarterback. They went out and surrounded him with weapons. Um, we just talked about this on the dominator earlier with Matt. So if you want to, you know, go back and watch that, there'll be some slightly different takes there as well between Matt talking and me talking, but just to kind of reiterate the season that he had, I mean, he was number nine in pass attempts, number eight in deep ball attempts. He was number three in money throws. He was, he was number one in, um, where was it? No, not number one. Sorry. Number five in pressured throws. Um, Number seven in air yards. He was number nine in yards per attempt, number eight in adjusted yards per attempt. It, you look across the board, he was like top 10 in, in, in so many metrics. And so I love Geno Smith this year. We were talking about him coming back into a a a, a contract year. Um, and I think that Geno Smith is becoming a bargain. I do think there's a little bit of regression because I think it's going to be hard for him to be top 10, top five in all these categories again, like just to continue on those stats. He was number 11 in accuracy rating, number four in completion percentage. He was number four in deep ball completion or number five in deep ball completion percentage, number five in pressure completion percentage, number three in play action completion percentage. So it's going to be very hard for him to repeat these stats. If he does, it's a smash at where he's going at ADP, but I think we're going to see some regression even with the additional weapons. Yeah, I do worry about him getting a, a little bit steamed up, but it's definitely exciting because I think Seattle, for what it's what what it's worth, has the best wide receiver trio in the league right now for me. Um, so it's it's exciting times. And if I would have told you two years ago that Geno Smith was a starting quarterback with the best wide receiver trio in the league, you would have laughed in my face. So it's uh, it's exciting. <laughs> uh, rapid fire. We saw three wide three tight ends drafted in the top forty: Dalton Kincaid, my guy, Sam Laporta in Detroit. Michael Mayer to the Las Vegas Raiders. Who has the best season in redraft this year, Billy? Kincaid, Sam again. Kincaid, Laporta, and Mayer. It's it's tight between Kincaid and Laporta. So I think that Kincaid has an opportunity to become is a better offense, right? Has an opportunity to to surpass Knox. I still think Knox is going to be involved. I think Laporta probably sees more target share. Um, and probably more targets, but I'm going to give a slight lean to slight lean to, oh man, I don't want to say it slightly to, to slightly to Kincaid. I'll do it. Thank you. you. I'll Thank do you. That's it. My guy. That's my guy. It's Kincaid, everyone. It's Kincaid <laughs> season. If you have rookie drafts this weekend, draft them. 
And I'm very interested to see how he does in that Buffalo offense. That is a top-notch offense, adding a player that I think can win at multiple levels, and I think he can help in the red zone. I'm curious to see, you know, we've talked about like Khalil Shakir getting more work in the slot this year. Do they decide to use Kincaid in the slot sometimes? I think that could happen as well. So it's it's Kincaid. Now, how about quickly Mayer or Laporta? Laporta pretty easily for Laporta me. Laporta easily. Okay. Yeah. Um, so temporary expectations for Mayer year one. Yeah. And I think this is important that Dynasty people listen to Billy on this one because if you're drafting Mayer, you're going to have to draft him uh, oftentimes ahead of Laporta. So if you're looking for year one production, just go Laporta. I agree with Billy on that one. I love Mayer, but Laporta al- already was a more fantasy friendly kind of uh, kind of profile, Billy, with the speed and the yak ability um, and also the quality of the offense in Detroit. Uh, final question uh, that I had for you tonight was and uh, a hint. It's I want you to talk about Jordan Addison. Uh, but besides Bijan Robinson, what rookie uh, makes the biggest impact for our redraft teams? It, it is Jordan Addison. It, it steps into an immediate role. You look at this offense, the number eight in pa- expected pass play. It's the only rookie I have projected for 100 targets. This is one of the few offenses in the NFL that the all three receivers have. I think Osborne is just under 100 targets, but it was very close. Like I almost gave him 100 targets, right? So love the addition, Addison. I think he's... You know, it doesn't have the talent of somebody like the Jigba, but when you talk about projections in 2023 and in fantasy outlook, I think he has probably the best best path to success as any rookie does. Yeah, I agree with you. I I love Jordan Addison. I liked him before the draft, and this is an unbelievable situation because he's going to have defenses focusing on Justin Jefferson week in week out. Also, the threat of TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison is just going to be able to eat up defenses potentially uh, with advantageous just matchups every single week. He's stylistically kind of in that Jerry Judy, Stefan Diggs type build uh, and style of receiver. And I'll make a bold call, Billy. I know you have Jordan Addison finishing where in our wide receivers? 41. So I talked to, to, to Dario about this as well. I think that my big bold bet is Jordan Addison is going to be finishing inside the top 24 this year. And I, and I think that that's a, that's my, that's my, that's my bold bet here. I think it's going to be a very consolidated uh, target. Okay. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah. I know you, I know you got to run soon. Your wife's going to kill you. No, 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 no. I'll I'll stay on for the debate here. And Billy. So top 24. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to outperform Drake London, Michael Pittman, Amari Cooper, Traylon Burks, DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks, Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams, Jahan Dotson, Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, Cortland Sutton, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jacoby Myers, yeah, George so Pickens. He's going to outperform Juju Smith-Schuster. You picked one out of like 15 names. And I'll say that I think he's going to outperform Tyler Lockett. My takeaway is we see these rookie wide receivers breaking through each year into the top 24. It happens every single year. It's guys we're not looking at. We have an offense that is going to be very productive. We can both agree Minnesota is going to continue to pass the ball. And I think yeah. at the end of the day, Jordan Addison, like the with your guys' projections, I think you and Dario, you guys are, are maybe the best in the business as a pair. It's great. I love watching you guys work. And, and huge hat tip to you, Billy. Anybody who didn't know this, Billy and Dario were updating our projections <laughs> as the draft was going on. It That's was like... Crazy. It was very impressive. Your guys' work ethic and your process was was great. But 
when you say wide receiver 41, Billy, you're already in the wheelhouse because you're all you're having to do is beat your projections by like 15%, correct? No. 20%? Maybe, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. But a 20% beat can totally happen with some of these young guys. This is not like a, it's not like I'm asking him to double up. And my, my big takeaway here is Billy, I'm going to draft the hell out of Jordan Addison because I think that at the end of the day, he's the kind of guy that we're going to be able to flex. And if I'm wrong and, and he still has passed to wide receiver three land. Like, I think he's going to be a very productive player. And I, I think that the stats are going to prove it. Um, so I'm in on Jordan Addison. He's going to be the rookie to break into the top 24. I don't know who he's going to displace, but we'll, we <laughs> a will a lot touch of those names, a lot of those names, but it happens every, <laughs> it happens every year, Billy. So let me ask you this. So, We've had a top 24 rookie for what the last four or five years. Uh, we could go back and kind of, uh, you know, look at it, but it, it just happens every single year. So Jordan Addison is my bet to lead all rookies in fantasy points uh, at the wide receiver position, despite my love for Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, and uh, I, I like a couple of these other guys. I think Addison clearly is the guy that's going to eat this year. So I'm saying he's going to have that the outsized uh, production. And he's going to end up as a wide receiver, too. That's my bold call, Billy. I don't really like it, but I okay, maybe. I well, think. yeah, no, you don't have to. I mean, you don't have to agree, but you will be drafting Jordan Addison. Oh, I'll be drafting I, 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 a lot of yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, I'm not encouraging 24 is very ambitious, but it, if you, I yeah, I, I, it, it's it's it. There's a realm where it exists. You don't need to reach for him. You know, this is a no, guy yeah. that I'm encouraging you to draft at ADP cost. And I do think yeah. that he will gain he will gain a little bit of uh, of steam in ADP as the summer moves on and it becomes very apparent and people start targeting wide receiver twos more like he's the wide receiver two in Minnesota. It's it's a great situation for him. We both really, really, really like it. Billy, we have back to back weeks of very, very exciting guests. Yeah. Uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Jeff Ratcliffe? Yeah, Radcliffe's coming on next week. We're going to talk about uh, rookie projections. We're going to compare projections. We're going to be talking about some of the veterans in those areas. Uh, I'll confirm with him you know, this weekend just to make sure we're all still on the same page, but we are expecting him on the show next week, and I'm always excited to talk projections, um, especially with Jeff Radcliffe, who's also one of the most accurate in the business. So very excited for that show. And then uh, two weeks from, t- from today, or excuse me, two weeks from yesterday, well, we're going to have Josh Larkey back back in the Roto Underworld. Uh, Josh does fantastic work for the 33rd uh, team, and a lot of you know him for his for his work at Player Profiler. Um, he's a, a good friend of ours, and that'll be a really good one. We'll have a chance to look at some ADP. Um, I'm Theo Greminger. Uh, I'm joined always by Billy Muzio. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we're going to check you uh, next week. See you, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.